0: folks welcome to draft deeper on the no ceilings nba podcast feed i am maxwell baumbach your lead host this week as nathan grubel unfortunately is not able to join us but make sure you were following him on twitter at draft deeper uh, but i'm maxwell baumbach and i'm joined at this time as always by Stephen gillespie Stephen, how are you doing tonight
1: man maxwell i'm great it's
0: uh, good to be back on the show
1: Today, after a brief hiatus for scouting purposes, but mm-hmm. I am so glad that I get to make this episode, man, because it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one, and I don't want to waste too much on my boring introduction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, it's Monday morning. The NCAA tournament bracket has been announced, and we're here to run through um, basically matchup by matchup uh, and go through the big prospect matchups in the first round. Guys to keep an eye out for games to watch to make sure that you're getting in if you are interested in scouting for the NBA draft. Um, And just to give you a preview on some under-the-radar guys as well. Um, Yeah. Some sleepers, some underdogs players that you should be monitoring. Uh, But before we get into that, let's start with the teams that were named the first four out. Uh, So we're going to go through those and just say, like, who's the prospect that you were most upset that you're not going to get to see in the NCAA tournament? Um in that first four out we have Oklahoma State, Rutgers, North Carolina, and Clemson. Steven is there anybody in that group that you're like, "Man, I really am heartbroken this team didn't get in cuz here's a guy I wanted to see in the Big Dance." I mean, it's
1: not necessarily for a guy, but Rutgers is always a tough out, so I think for college basketball purposes, like Rutgers not being in the mix, like they're going to mm-hmm. be a fun team next year with a recruiting class and everything that they got, yep. but I just think the college basketball like would would benefit from having a team like Rutgers in because they're such a
0: scrappy team. How about you, man? What about prospect wise? Yeah, you- so I'm I, I'm going to keep going down the same track. So Rutgers, to your point, they had the highest net rating. If any of the team snub, they had a 40 net rating. Um, yeah. Arizona State got in with a 66. Pitt got in with a 67. Don't like to see that. Not crazy about Suspect. it. Um. But I, I guess there were some difficulties in terms of like how to structure the bracket based on seating with so many big 10 teams getting in. Still, absolute shame. Um, yeah. But on the Rutgers track, it's Cliff Amore. Uh, yeah, that's a big he one. Is, I think the sneaky thing about Cliff Amore that gets overlooked is he doesn't have the craziest block numbers for a guy who sort of has blocks and dunks big. But I think a lot of that is that just the rest of their defense is really good. Like when yeah. you've got Caleb McConnell out there, when you've got Cam Spencer stealing the ball constantly, it cuts into your opportunities as a rim protector. Uh, but Cliff Amore is an enormous human being. He's six foot 11, uh, runs really well, jumps very well, and has obscenely long arms. And I think that just based on his size, length, and athleticism, um, he's going to get a cup of coffee at the next level, whether or not he turns that into like a real NBA career as a backup big man or things like that. I think that kind of remains to be seen. Um, but just like a, a really exciting high level rim protector prospect and just kind of bummed out that we're not going to get to see him uh, and this entire Rutgers team kind of make a push because I think Cam Spencer, uh small, you know, six foot four guard shooter, passer uh, guy who's like not a great defender, but knows how to play and gets a lot of steals. Like both of them, I think could have made a case, but, I also feel like this Rutgers team is the kind of team that's going to get up for the NIT, and I wouldn't want to be in their way. Like, I don't think they're going to be like, you know what? Let's just chill out and take it easy. I don't think that's in their DNA.
1: No, I think that they're going to want to be like, we want to win this whole thing outright and prove mm-hmm. that we were legitimately snubbed. And again, like, get people excited for their incoming class because it
0: it's gonna it's gonna be nasty. Yeah, yeah. So let's start to go through this regional, uh, regional portion of the bracket. So we're going to go with the South and the East, and then we're going to take a break and do the Midwest and the West. Um, so let's start in the South where Alabama uh, received the number one seed. They're going to play Texas, the winner of Texas A&M, Corpus Christi in Southeast Missouri State. Uh, I guess with this one, let's just touch on like the Brandon Miller number two thing that's been yeah. going around a lot lately. Um what would Brandon Miller have to do in the tournament to for you to consider making him number two? Because I think we're both pretty pretty firm Scoot is number two guys. Um but what would what would Brandon Miller have to do?
1: He would have to I don't know, like twenty eight and four, like throughout the tournament. Like yeah. If if those are his averages throughout the tournament, then I could start to understand the conversation more. I just think that with the whole Scoot versus Miller thing, like especially now it's, it's really funny timing, right. That it's coming out now because Mm -hmm. it's time and like, yeah, Yeah. like people are tuning their TVs onto college basketball because, you know, Mm -hmm. can you name me the channel that G league games come on? (laughs) Like you can't like all the primetime channels are showing Brandon Miller on on college basketball and he's mm-hmm. really really good you know like for us to sit here and say that scoot is hands down the second player on our boards is not to like discourage brand and this is why i hate the conversations like this in general is because it turns into like you kind of have to pick apart the other guy to, mm-hmm. to put your guy up but i don't know man like the competition that scoot plays against like night in and night out on an nba sized floor against you know like guys real
0: dudes yeah
1: yeah like and and were all their tournament teams best player you know like Mm. he's it's just a he's more of a proven commodity to me but brandon miller like in my opinion has a lock for number three like with you
0: yeah um and i think with skew too we were talking about on live stream but like people seem to overlook the fact that he's got a six foot nine wingspan and is yeah built like a brick wall like the fact that he is that long and that strong, I think it's going to do younger a lot. Than so, Miller, if I'm not mistaken. That, I, that's the thing is, like everyone hated Brandon Miller earlier in the year and was like ready to like just talk about how bad he was and how yeah. old he was, and now all of a sudden everyone's like, actually, he's better than Scoot. It's three months ago you were like. Ready to tell me he's the worst player in college basketball. But Scoot goes it's, from being like the number one pick in almost
1: any other draft to like is yeah. he really the number two guy now? So it's just yeah. I and he he's
0: been in a slump, but like I, I still just think he's gonna figure it out. Like his shot diet that he lives on isn't great. And like you can pick that apart, but it's like the role he has to play for his team right now. And I don't know. I'm just I'm not doubting Scoot. Like even he's one of those guys where I feel like his bad games, his bad games are a lot better than Brandon Miller's bad games and he's having them against better competition. But let's yeah. all right, off the scoot. Um we're going to skip over a couple of these. Like we're just going to glance over them and I'm going to be like anything here uh Maryland, West Virginia and San Diego State versus Charleston. Anything that you're like we've got to talk about this here. If not, that's fine. We can keep it moving.
1: I mean, there's just a couple dudes on Maryland that I find interesting,
0: but it's eh, I can I can I can go yeah. without. All right, so the big, then we really start to get the meat potatoes because this is like, this is one yes. really fun regional. So Virginia versus Furman. Oh my god, Boy, oh boy. I am like rubbing my hands. I am so ready for this matchup. So Jalen Slosson has been a kind of a sleeper mid-major name that, that we've had our eyes on for a couple of years here. Yep. And he is going to be matched up with a Virginia team that is very big and very physical, which are things mm-hmm. that he's used to really kind of make his imprint on college basketball, it's been it's been his defense, his physicality, uh, his intelligence, and now you're matching up him up with a guy like Jaden Gardner, who's like similar size, really strong, really physical. Um, he's going to have guys like uh, Vanderplass is hurt, unfortunately. Which yeah, wasn't really exciting, I was about but a guy to bring like, that up. Yeah, but a, still a guy like Ryan Dunn, six foot eight, skinny, but like a yep. dog, really physical, really gets after it. Um, how do you expect Slosson to do? in this matchup and like, what do you think uh, if he does like have a big game, what do you think it does for him?
1: I mean, a big game against Virginia, I think, you know what we would dub the mainstream would probably Mm -hmm. start to slide them up on on their boards. And I mean, I'm not typically like a a tournament time does a lot to sway my opinion, but I do Mm -hmm. think that right now I have Jalen just outside my top 60 yeah. If he if he messes around and has a good game against Virginia and shows out in the next stop too, like the the talent difference between like 50 to 80 or 85 on my board really is very fluid. So mm-hmm. if he shows out in the tournament like that might be enough to take him from I think I got him like 64, or 65 to you know mid to low 50s something like that. All
0: right, sorry about that. Yeah, um, all good. So here's the thing with Slauson and why I think I don't want to say it's okay to overreact because I'm not sure it would be overreacting, but I think if he has a really good game against Virginia, like if he goes out, he's pulling the trigger on threes. He shows ways to get to the basket that don't revolve around him, putting his back to the basket. Um, He holds up well to their physicality. If he does those things, like we just straight up don't get to see him against that mm-hmm. level of competition very often. So if we see him in a game like that, and he goes off and he does those things that we're looking for him to do, I don't have a problem. Like again, like I, he's probably in a similar range for me. I don't have a problem sliding him up to, like in the forties. You know what I mean? Because like we just don't yeah. see it very often. So if he proves it, like part of the reason he is in that range is because there is the unknown of like what yeah. does he do? He's older, good competition. He's yeah, he is older too. Big shooting
1: um, year for him, and yeah, well, i like,
0: low volume too, and like yeah, tricky.
1: So the the other thing too is like it's just a data point. It's a stepping stone because yep. now if he shows out in this tournament for a game, maybe two, like I said in the second mm-hmm. round, then like NBA front offices are tuning in and they're watching yeah. him, and now they're like, okay, let's maybe invite this guy in and see what it's all about. Like it, it could start a pathway for him to mm-hmm. really be kind of like a creeper at boards throughout the season.
0: And that could be, and this is going to sound insignificant but it, it but it's very significant yeah. that could be the difference between him getting an invite to g-league elite camp and him getting an invite straight to the combine yeah and that that is a substantial thing when it talks just in terms of like your perception among front offices what type of deal you're going to get out of the gate um how serious the team's going to be about investing in your development like it would it would matter pretty substantial and who you're think, working out with too yes you know? yeah, yeah i think it's i think it's a pretty high stakes game for Jalen mm-hmm. Lawson um but right reese beatman too right like sure a, yeah, yeah yeah another guy who's kind of in that second round tier for most people and now without Vanderplas like that offense is rough and like yeah. he's gonna have to be the one to do it and I think it's always been kind of tricky with him because he plays alongside Kihei Clark. Yeah. So he, he's not really the guy that they rely on to get buckets. He's more the guy who sets the table for everybody else. Well, now they need him to get buckets. And one of the big concerns that, that I've had with Reese Beekman personally is just like, well, how, how well can you score? Like how much offensive yeah. juice and firepower do you really have? Um, and he struggles around the basket. He's not a great elevator um now we kind of get to see like what does it look like when you are are forced to carry more of an offensive load
1: yeah and the talent like on Furman like it there's some there's obviously more than just Jalen Slauson but I mean you get to kind of hone in on him and then the rest of the talent around Slauson really isn't up to the Beekman level right so Mm -hmm. there is a path for him to really show and improve his draft stock as well but I mean Jalen Slauson versus Virginia is just like a gift for all of college basketball. I'm I'm so probably great. way more excited about it than I should be.
0: Awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have you take the lead on this next one. Another just monster prospect game here. Yeah, uh, Creighton versus NC State. Yeah. So I mean, NC State they have
1: a lot of players, right? But if you're talking just on like a draft scouting perspective, I mean, Terquavion Smith, uh, a guy who probably could have got a guaranteed like first round draft pick last season comes in this season struggles a little bit with injuries struggles a little bit to get into his flow Um conversation on is he actually the best like guard that's producing in the backcourt on his team this year right so yeah yeah there there's a lot to there's a lot to be had as far as like his draft stock uh, climbing during this tournament as well but Creighton Talk about a team with expectations, you know, as opposed to just one player on North Carolina State with Terquavion Smith. Creighton as a team was supposed to be like a number one seed this year, right? Like they have – They were ranked 10th coming into the year? Yeah. So, you, I mean, and you had NBA prospects at every single position. So, like, what could go wrong? And we we, we saw what could go <laughs> wrong this year. Like Ryan Kaltbrenner mm-hmm. was supposed to be the one of the best NBA you know, center prospects in this class, Arthur Kaluma was a, a lottery pick for a lot of people mm-hmm. coming into the year. You know, you, you had to bail. Head, yeah. I mean, yep. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone could go to no ceilings, and kind of read what the the draft stock price was on our initial IPOs. But I mean, you also have, you know, Trey Alexander on this team, and a NIMHARD, you know, we, mm-hmm. we see how much the NBA like NIMHARDs and then <laughs> Baylor Sharman transferring over. So yeah. there was a lot to, a lot to love about Creighton this year. A lot to love about Terquavion Smith. This is a little bit of a chance for either one of whoever wins to kind of right some wrongs that they've had throughout the year.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's some real opportunity for them. Um, and I just think it's a fascinating backward matchup because I think we're probably getting the two best guard. Like, this is probably the best guard prospect matchup that we're getting in the first round because okay. I would assume we're going to see Nemhard on Joiner which means that we're getting yeah. Trey Alexander versus Terquavion Smith. Which and these are really two guys boring. that are like polar opposites stylistically. <laughs> like Terquavion is a hyper athletic player. Uh, he is full of burst and wiggle and has this nasty snap on his crossover and he will shoot from anywhere inside the gym. And then Trey is like a very like poised player. And he, uh, you know, really takes his time and plays with a lot of pace and he's a really good defender. Whereas Turquavion defensively is like, a little more erratic, but he can meet you at the rim. He can get yep. steals. Whereas like with Trey Alexander, it's like, does he even have a second gear? Like, does he have another gear he can get to? Or does it have to be this slow game? So these are two guards that both have a lot of questions about them that are the total opposite question of the guy that they're going to be matched up against with. So like, I just got a huge smile on my face thinking about it. Like that to me is is probably the most exciting and interesting like 1v1 prospect matchup that we're going to have in that first round.
1: Yeah. And it just kind of makes you wonder like what else North Carolina state can do other than just like Joiner and Turk, like really carrying the team kind of all along North yeah. Carolina last year. Right. Like it's going to have to come mm-hmm. down to that backcourt really kind of a shame, right? Because Miranda was kind of rumored to be on this team at some point. Yeah. And then that rumor just like dissipated into, mm-hmm. into thin air and nothing else I, from what I've seen has been put out about him. So no. Really weird situation for North Carolina State. Um, kind of showing why I thought it would be in Turk's best interest to to maybe venture somewhere else uh, during the uh, in the transfer portal. But he mm-hmm. made his decision, and there's still plenty of time for a player of his stock to impress the right people during the time when their lights are going to be the brightest and in a good
0: matchup against Creighton. Yep. And then uh, just real quick, Baylor, uh, Keontae George, you know, projected lottery pick most places uh of course uh adam flagler a guy who's like right around the top 60 a lot of places yeah. we're gonna get another interesting matchup because they're playing uc santa barbara and they have aj mitchell i admittedly have not seen a ton of him um from uc santa barbara six foot four guard uh can really score the big question on him is his shot like he's overall efficient like he's over 50 percent from the field score 16.4 a game 5.1 assist to 2.3 turnovers so like can fill it up. It's six four and really knows how to distribute the ball, but he's a 27% three-point shooter. Have you seen much of Mitchell? Like, do you have, you know, any insights on him?
1: I mean, not much more than what you've already provided. It's just, you know, during my cursory review of a lot of prospects at the beginning of the season, kind of keeping an eye on stats, box scores mm-hmm. of synergy percentiles, things of that nature, kind of kind of filtering my focus on players. I haven't seen mm-hmm. much of him, but a name that I yeah. have on my board to kind of monitor. Uh, didn't necessarily pop as a this year guy, but no. I mean, obviously has done enough for UC Santa Barbara to be where they are in the tournament. Right. So yeah, um, it's, it's hard because he's a, he's a great guard, right. Obviously mm-hmm. has shown it this year, but Baylor's a team full of great guards. Like even on their bench, they got guys like Langston love who a lot of people liked as a name myself included coming into this mm-hmm. year, just waiting to come in off the bench. Right. So Baylor can really just throw a flurry, at Santa Barbara based on what Mm -hmm. I've seen on their roster and how, how guys have done. But I mean, great opportunity for AJ to kind of, you know, garner a little bit of attention for next year.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the move for him. It's like, hope you have a big game, get yourself on the radar for next year, or maybe open some NIL opportunities up for yourself in the transfer portal with a, with a big game here Uh, to keep it moving. uh, Right after that, we've got Missouri versus Utah state, which, yeah, not like the most interesting game in the world but Utah state some names to know there uh Shulga, he's like a 6465 point guard uh really good passer not a great athlete like that's probably going to be the thing that squeeze it for him as far as like he, that's going to be what his ability to break through is going to come down to And they also have Taylor Funk who was on yeah St. Joe's team with uh Jordan Hall last year six, eight can really shoot the ball um so he's going to pull Kobe Brown out of the paint so like mild mildly interesting matchup there is he related
1: uh, to terry funk
0: i know we're big wrestling guys um, <laughs> yeah is he, is he he, terry he funk double, he's from double cross ranch texas yeah uh, yeah <laughs> no, uh yeah he's 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 uh direct descendant of dory funk he's but he's in that lineage um and I, might, then, uh, I might root
1: for utah state if that was the case but
0: uh. <laughs> i i oh i would be all over him uh and then yeah princeton purdue rounds out that bracket uh, I'm sorry, Princeton, Arizona. And then we've got Purdue versus Texas Southern and fairly Dickinson. Uh, any, any thoughts on that one <laughs> or anything that let's talk, let's do the Zach Eadie question. Yeah. I was, where is say Zach Eadie on your board? And what, is there anything Zach Eadie can do to change your mind during the NCAA tournament?
1: He's in a very similar range to Slauson to where, I don't know. He kind of seems like he would be a novelty in the nba in my opinion i don't know i mean he he's 62nd on my board so obviously Mm -hmm. there is a path and i mean he's just so huge for college basketball and that's the thing like if you're big in college basketball like obviously your size is gonna you're still gonna be seven foot four if you go to the nba like i understand that you're still gonna be 300 pounds but the competition around you like the, the the opportunities that he's going to play against seven footers at the next level is going to be way more significant than what he sees right now in college basketball, at least coordinated ones, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he could be an NBA guy. I, I won't rule it out. I just I'm pretty low on the movement, the lateral ability. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's fun. Like he's a fun college basketball watch. I'm just. I'm not where some other people are where they are entertaining him like in the upper mid second round. Like he could sneak his way into the bottom half,
0: but I'm just, I'm not there. I am there. So I am there with Edie. I think, I just think he's going to be a productive NBA player. I don't know that he's a productive playoff player. So I, and I like, I don't begrudge anybody who is like, I'm look, I'd rather miss on a guy who I like have questions about in the playoffs. I understand that. Um, To me, I'm always just kind of the philosophy, like, if you're picking in that like range of like the forties and you see a guy and you think they are like a rotation player, even if it's not like to there for the playoffs, just take the guy like, cause I'll, I'll even, agree. If, cause even agree. if you are like a real team, um, if he's like your third string guy, it's like, okay, well at least if somebody gets hurt and I have to play a guy in the playoffs, at least he's not like totally awful. Um, so with Edie, I think my selling point would be, I think that you're looking at Boban plus. And I, I know that like, that's not the best like most exciting thing in the world for people in our draft community. Everyone wants six, eight wins. But you draft them defense. in a draft. But yeah. I think you take, I think you take Boban plus in the second round. If he's there, I think that um, the biggest thing has been just the level of shape that he's in. Um, because with yeah. Boban, it was always like you play him for like two minutes and like his, his per 30 <laughs> numbers go crazy, but he can yeah. only play for like four minutes at a time where he's playing 32 minutes a game this year. Um, I, I just think that what he can do on the offensive glass and just like as a enormous human being is, is great. And I think because of the offensive explosion too, you've seen teams being more comfortable playing zone on the other end, which is how Dallas got away with playing Boban yeah. in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Like, I, I just think there are world there are like real positive outcomes for him. And I don't really buy like the super low outcome So I, I i just see him as a guy you take in the 40s yeah i mean
1: i again there's a pathway for it but i look in the nba recently with like young big men like you know guys weekday was drafted you know surprisingly yeah. in the late first and i don't know if he's ahead on an nba desmond team right? Yeah, <laughs> ahead of desmond bain and he's had some injuries he's... though yeah and then you know Luca garza the big thing for him his last year was that like, he's like, a reliable three-point shooter, despite, mm-hmm. you know, his kind of lateral limitations, and he's had a couple of stops in the NBA, so, again, I could understand why people would want to have him within the second round, it's just, I don't know, I'm I'm just really skeptical right now.
0: It's just, yeah, it's just not, it's not a sexy, like, buy, buy low proposition, because I, I get, like, where you're coming from at the same time, yeah. where it's like, if I could take Julian Phillips there and like the idealized version of Julian Phillips is like a guy who could start on a playoff yeah. team, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard, to like, I, yeah. I'm gonna take Bovan plus, thank you. Like it's it's hard, yeah. so um, <laughs> so m- moving on, uh, Memphis, Florida, Atlantic, not a ton there. Duke Oral Roberts, um, Max A. Smith is a name that is yeah, sneak his way into the combine a couple years in a row. I so I watched Oral Roberts for mid major game of the week a little while ago um he's gotten better as a passer I still don't know how workable he is just because of his size and what he's gonna be defensively yeah um but I do think that he's made a real playmaking leap in the last year and he is like an absurd high volume three-point shooter I like I wouldn't rule out that he still like plays in an NBA game yeah, I
1: mean, and then I think my boy, uh, Vanover, who transferred
0: from Arkansas to go play there, mm-hmm. he's on that team.
1: I Monster mean, Duke... year
0: in the Summit League. <laughs> like Monster they, year. They do not have an answer for, for Connor Vanover in the Summit League. No, but I think Duke might Um with uh Derek Lively, <laughs> Kyle Filipowski, kind of yeah. quietly on, what, a, a 9, 10-game win streak. They've uh, been red hot, yeah, ha- and it just and- hasn't. It which is crazy that it's a Duke and it hasn't been like a massive story front and center, but and there's
1: like five NBA draft prospects on that team too, mm-hmm. right? So or at least four. Um but yeah, yeah, I mean there's there's players on that team to get excited about. I think that Philipowski, what he's been doing recently, uh I think people like players like him and I know that you and I recently have kind of shared that like we're kind of struggling on where to place him because like, yeah, for his size, he's not a very good defender, although he does move well, but he's just mm-hmm. not a good defender. He's not like
0: a rim protector for a guy who's Exa- that
1: exactly same. Exactly. Um, He's a shooter that's not shooting well, but you, do you buy the process? You know, he's, he was mm-hmm. kind of projected to be a good playmaking big man, but due to what's been going on with Duke, he's been more of a play finisher. So how much of that can you really hang on him? You know, he's just, it's hard when you see a guy who's seven feet tall and can do some of the things that he does and not really get fascinated with where you could place them, which I think is like where the argument does sway from like anywhere top 20 to is he a uh, high to mid second round pick on your board. So right now I kind of have him have him as like a priority second, but big tournament for him. And then of course we get to see Derek Lively um, continue his run. I think that he has a chance to climb up boards just because of how slow his start was. I don't think that it's Mm going to necessarily be a tournament like in of itself that boosts his stock, but it's just more game sample size against good competition to see if like what we have been seeing in the second half of the season
0: is real or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with, um, with Filipowski, I think it's interesting. Like, My concern with him is like a little less on the defensive end. Like, I think that's the biggest thing a lot of people have been hung up on is like that in the three point shot Yeah, where like my worry about him has really been like the interior finishing. Like he is Mm. not great at the rim and he gets a good amount of offensive rebounds, but like he's just kind of like weak with the ball. He's weak at the basket and it's like, okay, well if you're seven feet tall and like you're not a great finisher then like then you really have to shoot it like then you then like the level of shooting that we're talking about like that level becomes a lot higher right i think he's okay enough in terms of like fluidity and changing direction that i'm not like in a total panic over him defensively yeah. but the the fact that he is like i think below he's like barely over 50 percent on twos during yeah. the season and that's just one of those things where it's like ah man it's a good point
1: too and you kind of wonder how much of that is him will, when he gets to his grown man strength, like kind of similar to the conversations that we had at the beginning of the year with Brandon Miller, like, okay, mm-hmm. you can only get so much bigger and so much stronger while playing basketball in in one season, you know, like, is that something that you're confident when he does get to, you know, add some strength, add some good functional weight? Um, is that something mm-hmm. you feel comfortable with him kind of showing up as he,
0: as he progresses? And then uh Tariq Whitehead, I think another guy that just like yeah. has been really backsliding down boards and like he's been backsliding down mine, but like ESPN's dropped him pretty significantly. I don't remember where Vassini had him, but like whether it's us or like the, the quote unquote more mainstream boards, like it just seems like everybody's kind of selling their Tariq stock at yeah. the moment. Uh, so he's a guy who I think really needs to start making some moves because it seems like the thing has been for a lot of those guys that come in with a lot of hype is even if you have a bad year, you don't play at the combine. So yeah. if you're not going to play at the combine, like this is, is this your the last class? chance in five on five basketball to like make a meaningful impression.
1: Is this the class to play that game with though? I mean, there's easily like 20 guys that I would consider mm-hmm. above him right now. And yeah. that's like the going rate of players that stick around in the NBA. So like mm-hmm. if you get like a, 28 29 you know kind of grade when you go to the combine do you do you kind of play
0: that game like i don't know i don't know yeah yeah it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting and then uh up next you have tennessee versus louisiana um i feel like i've had the julian phillips debate with like everybody in no except for you <laughs> so, <we're>, so where was <laughs> so where did you sit on Julian. yeah yeah very odd because like i did a playback with nick and he came up and like i've talked to nathan with nathan about him a lot um so with julian phillips i'm like kind of skeptical he's a guy I really hope goes back because I think he could explode if he goes back because I think he just needs to like shoot better um I really like him defensively I think he's got to get stronger I don't love his ball skills at all I don't like his handle I don't like there's a play in the game the other day that I watched where Someone closed out and he just like attacked the wrong foot of the closeout and took like the worst driving angle I've ever seen. Then he had to spin baseline and the, the ball got way away from him. And it was like, oh man, like the ball skills are really lacking. But I like him as a passer. So it's like if he could just shoot or move the ball and then do what he does on defense, like great, we're off to the races. But there's just a lot of holes to his game, uh, for me as far as like taking him the first. But where do you, where do you stand with Julian Phillips currently? I mean, I would
1: take him in the first, but it's like a late first. I think I have him like twenty seven or twenty eight okay. last last I looked. And I'm kind of with you. I think that he would benefit going back, especially um, with the perceived draft class of next year. Like if he does have that explosion, yeah. like that yeah. could do wonders for him. I kind of liken his freshman year to what Tari Eason did at Cincinnati. I think that okay, and it, and everyone kind of knows how much I love Tari Eason last year, mm. but um. I, I, there are some very big similarities. A lot of the offensive questions, concerns, stuff like that. I mean, even still, Tari was really good at Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Julian on this team, the fact that he is playing the role that he is uh, for Tennessee and Coach Barnes speaks volumes to how much he gets trusted on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He does just need to improve like a go to thing on the offensive side of the ball. There are flashes there, but there's nothing that you're like, okay, like this is the role that I envision Julian Phillips playing uh, consistently in the NBA on offense, but I like
0: him in the first wouldn't hate it. If he went back Mm -hmm. Um, one name on Louisiana to keep an eye out for uh, Jordan Brown, he's their center. He's six foot 11. He like definitely not a draft guy, like maybe a guy who plays at summer league, but scored around 20 points per game, almost nine rebounds a game. And he was the number 20 recruit back in 2018. So Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys who's like been around forever uh and he's just kind of floated and you know was it nevada and then was it arizona and didn't really do anything like he was okay at arizona and then like louisiana Louisiana's really kind of coming to his own so a guy who might have an, a nice game and could potentially like do something for himself from a pro standpoint uh overseas or, or wherever um very fun matchup in this next one yeah. kentucky versus providence uh Two revenge big storylines here, yeah. So, <laughs> so the 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 Bryce Hopkins revenge game. So I'll let you kick that one off. Um, what do, what are you expecting out of Bryce Hopkins in this one?
1: Well, I mean Bryce, it's a fun matchup for him. I have him in my top one hundred. Kind of interested to see like what the vibe on his him is. at no ceilings because I think that he's kind of like a different outcome of like a Keontae Johnson out of Kansas State. Like they're kind of bigger. They're like they're kind of stockier but smaller foremen in mm-hmm. college ball, but they play two totally different styles. Uh, I'm interested to see how the bully ball goes for him against Kentucky because I don't think that Shibuya is going to be the one guarding him. I think it's going to be Toppin and Hopkins yep. Toppin. or Hopkins Toppin, excuse me, uh, is going to be pretty fun because I think that they're both going to want to do opposite things to each other throughout the matchup. But obviously, Providence is going to be leaning more towards that way um that's my uh storyline that i kind of hinted at at the beginning what's the, what's the second one that you got maxwell
0: yeah so i just want to say real quick too like jacob coppin is a guy that i have been like watching like a hawk recently yeah. um because i just love how he plays like he's a really really smart player with the ball offensively like knows how to move without the ball if he can get just a moderately consistent three-point shot going and take more of them like he is. I think he's going to stick around the NBA for a long time. And like, even if he There's doesn't, chance, like, yeah. I, I just think that what he offers, as far as like his decision making and um, selflessness and defense, like, that's that's an NBA guy. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that is really exciting about this matchup is like the two ultimate defensive got that dog in <laughs> him guards yes. on earth and Devin Carter and Casey Wallace going at it like you've got the rivalry aspect. You've got two of the best defensive guards in the country going at it. Like that is, that is a wild, wild matchup. So, um, Wallace, if you're listening to this is probably a guy that you're pretty familiar with. He, he came into the year, um, being known as one of the best defensive prospects in his class. He's six foot four. He's got long arms. He's very powerful to the point that like, kind of like the Davion Mitchell thing where it's like, he's going to guard up a little bit further than you would expect him to. Averages two steals and half a block per game. Um, Devin Carter is so fun, too. Yeah. Oh, he flies off the floor. He gets him in transition. Like, really yes. exciting player. Um, Devin Carter is like a four-year guy, probably, that I'm really interested in out of Providence. He played his first year at South Carolina. Good year. Nothing crazy. Transfers to Providence. And really kind of takes a nice step forward, scoring 13 points per game. Yeah. Big question with him is the shot. He's a 30.9% three-point shooter. So being a guard in the modern game, you got to get that up. Um, Smart passer, 2.4 assists. uh, And a lot of their offense runs through Bryce Hopkins, so he doesn't get to do a ton of setting the table. Um, But 1.8 steals per game, 1.1 blocks (laughs) per game. Just a nasty, nasty man. And very strong, too. Again, same thing as, as Kaysen, where, like, he's just more powerful than, than he looks and then any guard should be. Uh, So those two going at it is like, it's not like a this year prospect matchup the same way that uh, Alexander, maybe if he goes in this year and like Turk is, but like, this is still a very fun battle.
1: And for Carter, like Kentucky is like the best matchup that you can look every bit of the defender that you are, because they just don't have like that, that sneaky Kentucky backcourt where it's like, well, all of them are actually really good ball handlers. It's just that they share the load type thing where they don't have that going on for them this year. And I think that that kind of leans to benefit Carter a lot. And then again, you know, like there's, there's a very real possibility, man, that Providence walks away the winner in this matchup.
0: I think so too. And can we are a year removed from Kentucky uh, slipping on a banana peel against St. Peter. So like, yep. who's to say, who's to say that it won't happen again. Um, rest of the bracket on this side, nothing too exciting. We've got Kansas state versus Montana. 710
1: uh, looks juicy. That right. looks juicy.
0: Michigan state and USC. And what's, so what's jumping out to you here.
1: I just think that the USC prospects like have a real opportunity to make a sub- substantial run Okay. Um, what the way that their bracket looks. I mean, playing the winner of Marquette Vermont, like if USC first off, they got to get past Michigan State, which I think that they can. Like, I think you they know, will.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> go I think they
1: can and if they very well might. Uh, but USC with Boogie, with Drew, um, with Kobe Johnson, a player that I really, really like. Uh, I think that Kobe Johnson can really kind of surprise people. Like he he might be a guy to really monitor for next year. But he might be one of these guys that were like, "Yeah, team should have pre-drafted him this year," and the mm-hmm. tournament might kind of, kind of prove that a little bit. Yeah,
0: because I, I, th- I, I was just kind of peeking through other boards the other day. I saw ESPN has him top 100 now. I don't really remember where, um, yeah. but yeah, he's he's only scoring nine points per game, but he's 35 percent from three, which is not bad when you consider that nope. he's like an elite level defender and mover yeah. and a really smart passer, like just very trustworthy player brother of Jalen Johnson, so he has like another NBA player in his family which I think is always a good thing um and then yeah I mean like you've just got Boogie Ellis who in any given game can be the best player on the court has really really turned it into high gear over the last month or two of the season Drew Peterson friend of no ceilings um extremely Mm -hmm. well rounded very mature Trey White's a guy who can get hot Vincent Wachuku, who is just insanely insanely tall uh and like Again, like one of those guys who's like point three assists per game, but can kind of do some stuff as a passer that like you don't really expect. Like who's the I, team that that you think they start getting
1: like afraid of as if they advance like in this? Like just say that they Marquette's keep winning, just like so
0: well coached that like it's always hard to pick against Shaka Smart. But I really like how they match up with Marquette. Like I do I, too. I'm not I saying think, they're going to win, but like yeah. there are there, they could be
1: like the dark horse team. There's like
0: of, a sneaky elite eight path for this team. Like I, if it, it, this exists. is what
1: you want. If you're, if you're USC, like, I don't think that this could have broke better for you.
0: No, if, yeah, they, if you get told you have a 10 seed, this is like the path that you want for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, Marquette, uh, Vermont Marquette. I think for a lot of those guys, it's about like trying to push yourself into the, this year yeah. guy conversation uh, for Maxence prosper they're really good defensive game against Jordan Hawkins the other day, six foot eight, great face up game. He's like 60% on twos, 35% from three on lower volume. Uh, defensive long. numbers don't yeah. jump off the page, but like he knows how to guard more so down than up. But yeah, is there any, is there like a Marquette guy that you're like, this is the one I would feel most comfortable taking this year. Or are you kind of like a, I hope they all go back. I kind of the hope
1: guy. they all go back, but I think Me that too, we would yeah. be uh, remiss if we didn't mention Oso Yodaro. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of one of the darlings in, in the draft space on this team. And I know that you and Nathan kind of broke down why y'all aren't real big believers in his draft stock. And you guys echoed a lot of the concerns that I have. I do see a path for him to be taken in the second round this year but is that what you want if you're also Like I I don't know. Like it's trends what he wants. Yeah. It's a, it really it really does. I mean, he if he gets told that he's the second round pick, like he might stick in. Like who's to say?
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So that does it for the first side of the bracket. We're going to take a little bit of a break here and then after that when we come back, we're going to do the right-hand side of the bracket go through some of those matchups. So stick with us here. There's still a lot of exciting matchups to talk about, including one in the West that I think might be the best and most loaded prospect matchup in the entire bracket. So stick with us here. We'll be right back. All right. And we are back. We are now going to go through the Midwest and Western portion of the bracket. We start off with Houston versus Northern Kentucky. Mm. Um, Houston, one of the favorites in this tournament. Uh, The This year, guys on their squad, likely Marcus Sasser and Jairus Walker. Um, Just lost to Memphis today. They still get the one seed. Did anything in that game sort of change your perception around Jairus Walker at all? Because Sasser was injured and, you know, can't really do anything with that. Uh, so with Jairus, how do you kind of feel about him coming out of a game where he has more, more of a quiet game. They lose to a team that they shouldn't lose to. Did it move you at all one way or the other? I mean, Memphis isn't a bad team first
1: off. I mean, no. when they, they played him earlier ball. in the year, I think that they, they like their guard, Kendrick Davis, I think was all right. And Davis might have like mm-hmm. the best handle out of anyone in college basketball. So a very good He's point sweet. guard mm-hmm. playing for a, you know, a formerly great point guard during his time. So, I mean, I don't think that this really did anything for me for Jairus Walker because I'm not drafting him as a number one, maybe not even a number two. Like I'm Mm -hmm. drafting him because he could be like one of the best third options in the NBA if everything breaks right, you know? So not really concerned about how the Memphis matchup kind of served him because he didn't really show anything negatively defensively or in his processing, right? So um, just doesn't have the skill set that's going to wow you like game in and game out. And I think even without Sasser, if they have to kind of rest them a little bit against Northern Kentucky, um, they still have some other guards on this team too, like shed, you know, this could be a big game for Arsenal, you know I mean? It could be Mm -hmm. a big Arsenal breakout game. They they just have a number of guys on this team. I think that they can get ready without Sasser in this first matchup, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you can never sleep also during March Madness. And I mean, obviously you never know, but, Mm-hmm. Uh my stock with Walker is still firm at 4. Like they can't I think Cam Whitmore feel... might kind mm. of supplant him depending on what comes out during like Intel season but
0: I don't know. I still like Walker a lot. I do too. Um for Northern Kentucky, uh from the Horizon League, not like a great conference by any stretch uh but a talented team. They they play a really tough zone defense. Uh can be really hard to score against uh when they get uh rolling defensively. Uh Two guys to like maybe keep an eye on if you're like a big time sicko is uh they're two are if you're Mar- listening. Yeah, 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 you are. Uh Marquise Warwick, uh 6'2 scoring guard, really needs to make a very serious playmaking leap if he ever wants to be an NBA guy. But I wonder if he's scoring 19 to points per mean. game, so like it's like if you're just talking about him as a college player, like could he get caught and like make this game a little more competitive than it should be? Definitely. And then a guy who like I had a lot of interest in as a four-year guy, possibly coming into the season, had a bit of a down year uh, was one of the no stone and turn guys, Sam Vincent six, five guard gets a lot of steals really knows how to pass Um, three point percentage. Isn't crazy, but he takes a lot of them from NBA range. Um, So just like an interesting, good connector piece type guy at the college level. So um, up next, we've got Iowa and Auburn. Um, Auburn, not the most exciting like prospect team this year. Chris Murray has had a bit of a shooting slump as of yeah. late. Um, but he's he's done some other things well. I think his passing has gotten better as the year has gone along. Uh, where do you kind of stand with, with Chris Murray at the moment? Uh and obviously last year Kentucky got bounced early. I think that made people question Keegan a little bit. Like, yeah. What do you think is at stake for Chris Murray as we had in the tournament season?
1: I feel like this matchup, win or lose, it's not it shouldn't do anything for anyone that has. Chris or yeah Chris I, I don't know why I just blank there mm-hmm. I don't know if this matchup against Auburn does anything for you one way or the other I have him 18th on my board if mm-hmm. if he has a bad game I've seen bad games from Chris Murray this year even and I'm still pretty comfortable with who I'm getting as a player at 18 I like John I for Auburn he was kind of like a sneaky yeah, guy yeah. coming out last year I think that he could maybe have a couple people thinking, like, well, how, he could be Armando Baycott, you know, in the tournament this year, where, mm-hmm. like, how come no one has talked about John I. Broome? Like, how come I haven't heard a single word about John I? Uh, he's interesting. And I mean, uh-huh. there is a couple guards on Auburn that can, that can go, like, they could shoot them into a victory or, or into a loss. Um, that's just how their season goes. And then can't forget about Flanagan. You know, he has his moments where he looks like a really good, um, You know, real athletic wing prospect too, but just unfortunate what injuries have kind of done to him throughout his college. Yeah,
0: it's a real shame because I think he was like at elite camp last year. Even like there were still people like really kind of holding out hope that that he'd really reassert himself, and it it just hasn't really broken that way for him. Yeah. Um, Next matchup, a very interesting one uh, for me. It is Miami versus Drake. Uh, Obviously I've been kind of big Tucker DeVries guy was the, the darling of the no stone and turn series that I did. Um, I think this is going to be an extremely telling game one way or another for him, because I think Mm -hmm. he's, he's going to be guarded by like NBA level defenders. Like say what you want about the rest of their game, but like, an athlete like a wooga poplar uh i I still think it's a couple years away i feel like i've seen a lot of people really start to get in on him and like i am just not there with where he's at as a decision maker right now um but i think he can really shoot and i think he's a great athlete and i think he can defend the ball um he's gonna have guys like wooga and jordan miller guarding him like jordan Jordan, miller is like kind of like the opposite right where he's like he's not this crazy athlete but he's extremely crafty he's really strong he's six seven he's big he plays big he plays tough he plays smart so yeah. it is not going to be easy for six seven wing tucker DeVries, who's like a 40 percent three-point shooter on the year to gain separation and get baskets against a team like this um i watched a game in person against uic and uic has this guy toby okani who's like not a draft guy um, but he's six foot eight and he like is an NBA athlete. like mm-hmm. ball skills, all that not there. But just in terms of like pure unadulterated athleticism, like he's the kind of guy that would be covering him. And Tucker had a really hard time with that. And I think that if Tucker struggles, it's like kind of like a, all right, well, we got to ask some questions. I, probably time to go back to school, like that sort of a thing if he looks really bad. But if he is a big game against a team yeah. like Miami, I think he, he kind of has to be a first-round guy. Like, if, if he can have a big game against a team that is this talented and, like, this well-coached from Laranaga to, to Bill Courtney as his lead assistant, like, uh, that's not, like, yeah, that's that speaks volume. So, really rough draw for Drake, because I think they were a team that had some upset potential, and you get a team that's just, like, crazy deep and super well-coached, which is not who you want to play when you're an upset team, but... Andrew, would you rather
1: them have had the 13th? Seed? Like if them and Kent State swapped yeah. like and they went up against Indiana, would you feel Oh much my more- gosh. Yeah. yeah. Like
0: if he's being guarded by Miller Cop. Like I feel way yeah. better about that game. <laughs> I feel way better about it. Um Yeah,
1: right. So I mean that's kind of where I was just like as you were breaking down the draw, like. Obviously, you want to kind of be a higher seed, right? But mm-hmm.
0: I think that Drake wouldn't have got their
1: feelings hurt if they played Indiana in the opening round instead of Miami.
0: <laughs> so I I, I talked uh, to death about Tucker. Where are you at on some of the Miami guys? Because Isaiah Wong has really started to assert yeah. himself in the conversation. Jordan Miller is a guy that like a lot of people have started to be infatuated with, even though he's he's like an older prospect, but like super well-rounded. Um, how do you feel about those two?
1: Well, so I got Isaiah in the back half of my top 60 right now. And I got Jordan Mm -hmm. Miller kind of funnily enough, like holding hands with Tyler Burton, like just Mm -hmm. outside my uh, top 60. And it's funny, it was about a month ago. So like where I was watching Miami and I was watching Jordan Miller and I kind of shot in the group chat. Like, how does everyone feel about Jordan Miller? And a lot of people were like interested, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like, there's like Facebook Marketplace where like everyone's interested, <laughs> but like no one's like setting up a meeting yet. So, I th- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think that this tournament could be really big for a guy like Jordan Miller, who mm-hmm. not a lot of expectations coming in this season. Like people were familiar. He's had a couple really big games in uh like big games with bright lights on. So I think that people kind of knew him coming into the year, obviously, but if he shines man, like this could do wonders for him. Kind of similar to how we were talking with Jalen Slauson, like two different types of players uh, entirely, but he has the frame. He has like skill set as kind of like a, like maybe a four potentially as a three Mm -hmm. in the NBA, like in some lineups, but I don't know. I I like him a lot, but Isaiah Wong to me is, is an NBA potential NBA level guard. You know, like there is a path for him to succeed as like a, a third or a second guard on a team, but just kind of inconsistencies on defense and three point shooting kind of leaves me a little worried.
0: Yeah. Cause the thing, so the thing with Wong has always been like, he is like an NBA level athlete. Like he has yeah. NBA speed. He has NBA leaping ability. He's six foot three, but he is like extremely above the rim. It's yes. <laughs> a finisher, Uh a guy that like you can run lob stuff for. And he was never like the most consistent three point shooter or the most consistent right. playmaker. And it feels like, the playmaking has started to just become a lot more stable. Like it feels yeah. like he's, he his assist rate is up. His turnover rate is under control and in a solid place. Um Yeah. Like I, I just think that, yeah, to your point, like if he's in a position where like he's third or fourth guard and he doesn't have to be the lead playmaker and he's more of a second side guy and he can just yeah. catch and shoot and he can cut like there are worlds where he can make it work. And then in that role too, then he's probably like, able to devote more attention to his defense where he's really good at getting into passing lanes and because he can jump how he does he's able to meet guys at the rim in ways that you wouldn't expect a guard to be able to um there's real paths for for isaiah wong Um, for sure and and miami's made deep tournament runs before and if they do it Mm -hmm. again i think that like he can really kind of turn the like oh we're like he's interesting into like he's a guy yeah he's Um, ready
1: this year like playing much more within his self, I would say than any other time that I've ever watched him
0: play. Yep. Uh, up next. Yeah. You mentioned Kent state versus Indiana. Um, Trace Jackson Davis is, you know, just having a monster season. Yes. Obscenely well-rounded is how I always describe him. Just an excellent passer flies off the floor, big rim protector, uh, very good play finisher, great lob catcher. Um, question with him is just going to be positional size he's six foot seven he's not the longest dude so he is really strong and i think he gets up really well but i think the scary thing with a guy like that is it like a bad injury can really kind of derail things in ways that it wouldn't for other guys like if if he ever you know has like a bad lower body injury that's going to be more substantial for Dewan blair right like if he yeah
1: exactly if he never has acls again you know or something Mm -hmm. like that like that could forever impact his nba career you know Yep. Yeah.
0: So uh yeah, but a very, very talented center. And then you just wrote about Jalen Hood Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna let you kinda do your thing on him because it was it was a great article. Uh and he's a very interesting player and a guy that I, it it no sense is one of those guys where like I, I'm really proud of the fact that it feels like we've been kind of higher on him than consensus throughout the season. Yeah. Um so yeah, go off on uh, on JHS.
1: Well, I'm in a scary place and it might just be like the boredom season of uh the draft cycle where we're just like ready for whatever happens and we want to overanalyze it to death. But yeah, I wrote about him over at noceilingsnba.com. I got to pick some brains that are much more intelligent than me. And I wanted to go outside of the, uh, the no ceilings family. So like trusted NBA draft community people and, uh, really got to ask them their kind of thoughts and insights and player comps, all that types of stuff. I just, I love JHS man. And, I think we kind of go back and have revisionist history with players like Shea Gilgus, Alexander and Tyrese Halliburton Oh, totally. like that.
0: Yeah. Everyone you know, had Halliburton four now. Well, I mean, I legitimately did, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I know. it was like you and like a couple <laughs> others and now everyone's yeah. like, yeah, I actually thought he should have gone ahead of Wiseman. It's like, no. Yeah. Like you, 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 he goes number one in
1: know. a redraft now. Yeah. I mean, he actually might, but, um, yeah, but my point is, is like what, um, SGA I think was like twelve through 14th, like somewhere in that neighborhood, like, please don't aggregate me, but he was somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, Tyrese Halliburton fell to 14. Um, JHS could very well do the same thing. And the thing about all three, three of those guys is like, I'm not sitting here saying that JHS is going to be as good as any of those guys. Like mean, SGA is like, at one point was considered as MVP um, and Halliburton led the league in assists. But I think that, because they're not like super athletic guards, like they do have feel, they do have length, they get to their spots with relative ease. Um, And because of that, they're able to, as they get bigger, stronger, and older, like they play to their intelligence. And I think that that's the type of player that JHS is. I think the tournament could show that. Uh, Playing in the Indiana system really doesn't benefit him a lot, but playing next to an NBA guy like TJD does help a little bit. I just I really like him a lot. Like he is now in my top ten and I'm really debating like would I rather have the athleticism at the size of an Amend Thompson or would I rather have the size and the intelligence and the feel of a Jalen Hochefino now? Like that's how scary it's getting for me. One thing with uh so <laughs>
0: that I think jumps out is that he so like a lot of people that are coming to this from the outside and are just tipping their toe in the water, they see six ten, you're I'm sorry, six six point guard ESPN, six ten wingspan. Uh he uh has a th- uh, 3.7 assist uh, per game average to a 2.8 turnover average so i think people might yeah. see that and be like oh it's well, trying about like high feel he turns it over all the time i watched all of his turnovers a while back and it was crazy like how many of them were just like him passing the ball to guys that weren't prepared like it yeah. was just like oh he delivered like a perfect pass and the guy just like fumbled the ball because he wasn't ready for like that angle or for that pass. and it's like man like he's like these turnovers are almost the result of him being too advanced it's like when you go into a job interview and you're and they're like what are your weaknesses and you're like i care too much you know what i mean like, yeah that's legitimately <laughs> like what hard, some of her to his turnovers are is like he's too good at passing uh and like some of them are like he plays on a cramped court or whatever but I, I i'm i'm bullish on hutch if as well um iowa state versus the winner of mississippi state and pitt not the most exciting uh Xavier versus Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State, first time in the tournament. Beautiful Uh, story. Colby Jones is a guy who is, I think, kind of solidified that first round spot. Um, Something I wondered about him for a long time is like, is he going to be the Io DeSumo move this class? Where it's like he's Mm. sort of the combo-y guard who doesn't take a ton of threes, but is just obviously very good. And at a certain point people are just get too excited about other players that he falls lower than he should. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I had noticed on film and I checked the numbers and it added up is that he seems like he's gotten a lot more aggressive in hunting his outside shot. Um, his three point volume has been low. It was uh 3.7, uh, threes per 100 possessions as a freshman 3.6 last year. And then this year that number is up to 5.5 threes per 100 possession. Uh, he's shooting 38.2% on them. And during conference play, he went from taking 3.3 plays, uh, threes per game on the season to 3.7 during conference play. He's looking for him a lot more off the dribble. I just really like the fact that he's hunting out that jump shot more. Cause it's been his biggest question. Yeah. He's hitting it. He's taking it more aggressively.
1: Yeah. I'm with you, man. I think that he solidified a first round lock. I think that once you get to about 22, 23 on, on my board, like that's where I'm like the most confident and I'm even starting to kind of firm up the back you know that letter portion of my first round as well and like being really confident in where I have people uh, great opportunity for Kennesaw State but Xavier is is a team on a mission and Colby Jones um really wasn't ready for that I would assume you comp but I I do appreciate where where you're coming from with that because it people might outthink him and and you really yeah. shouldn't you it's just he's nba ready
0: yep and then we've got uh up next it is uh texas a&m versus penn state penn state had like a big booty run ball. of the big 10 tournament booty ball uh <laughs> for those unfamiliar uh penn state beat illinois afterwards both coleman hawkins and coach brad underwood in the press conference said they're they're playing booty ball they're playing booty ball with jalen pickett the post-up point guard uh they've also got seth lundy who's like started I know to you're finally big, show up on big one dude finally yeah. he's just mm-hmm. a really good low maintenance player knows how to cut can really shoot threes can hit him off a of movement and like s- strong stocky build at 66 220 uh defends really well up and down the spectrum very disciplined guarding mm-hmm. the ball um just a guy i really like as somebody who will probably get like a two way at some point um where are you at on picket because he is polarizing. Like Jalen Pickett yes, is the guy is. that no matter who you talk to, everyone is either like he's awesome or like I don't see it at all. So where are you at with Pickett, uh, who is obscenely productive? He's everything like 19, 7, and 7. He's like 39% from 3. But it just feels so weird because it's always back to the basket. It's a lot of bullying. Who was the He is the not guard? a good
1: athlete. He's slow, bad defender. Yeah. Who was the guard um, that – even Oklahoma City, I think, played him for a little bit. Who like only did the hook shot? You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh,
0: Xavier Simpson. Yeah, Xavier Simpson.
1: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I kind of get that weird little vibe with Jalen Pickett to where it, it might mm-hmm. just be kind of like one trick pony. Like, you get him on the left block and let him hit his turnaround jumper. Uh, he's a top 100 prospect, though. I mean, it's hard to deny yeah. his uh, productivity. I even told you that it was like. Man, he's even giving you, like, a little bit of Magic Johnson, like, taking the ball at the <laughs> yeah. top of the key, like, bruising his way down to the block and finishing over the top of people. Um, just couldn't – Illinois could not stop him. And I just – Coach Underwood is probably, like, the least petty <laughs> college coach of all time. I love whenever he gets mm-hmm. on a rant. Like, he, that dude just comes unhinged. But <laughs> – Oh, A and M against Pickett is going to be a fun matchup because A and M just has a bunch mm-hmm. of dudes that you never want to line up against, and mm-hmm. Pickett is like that on the offensive end. So it's just like a battle of the minds, like who who comes out on top.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's going to be a fun game to see. Uh, and then Texas versus Colgate. Um, do you want to have the Do we want to have the Dylan Mitchell conversation? He's not in my sixty. Like he's not mine either. He I've he was like barely in my 80. Mm-hmm. Like I just I don't know what he does,
1: man. Like he this the thing. was this was a guy that was like top five in his RSCI. He was mm-hmm. he was supposed to be like a dude and I get yeah. that there's a there's still a place in the NBA for defenders, but I just watched Grady Dick take him off the bounce the other night, man. Like That's legit take like him off the defense. bounce. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the defense is, like, not, it hasn't been that good. Like, it's good, but it hasn't been that good. Like, it hasn't been good enough to overlook how limited of an offensive player he's been, where it is just pure play fish, finishing, and that's it. 14 total assists on the season, afraid to take a jump shot. Six afraid to seven. dribble. And it's just, like, for a guy who's six seven. like, I, I know that, like, their defensive system isn't about, like, just getting blocks and steals, but like if you're going to justify taking a guy like that, like his rebound rates, his blocks, his block rate, his steal rate, like it's just not where it should be. Like, like, just so. made I think him I think unplayable, him. yeah, yeah. Like, I think somebody is still gonna take him because, like, that's just how it works. Like, Have these fun. guys come out, and some team is like, we've got a bunch of picks, we'll take them, but I really don't see like i my concern with him is like i just don't see him getting to a place offensively in two years where you're like sign me up for more of that like i think he's a guy that like you play the long game and and get the second draft look at him because i just don't see like a quick path for him to be a meaningful contributor in the nba
1: well i mean as bad as we want to make it out like kendall brown was last year compared to
0: expectations He still passed.
1: Like you, he. Could, That's the he thing. Could, like he
0: had, he, could, he had moments, and he had big games. Like, yeah. Dylan Mitchell has not had a game like, and I know it was against like bad competition, but like Kendall Brown had like that triple double game. Like, yeah. He had certain games where it's like, oh man, like he's really going off and he's really doing stuff, and there were like exciting flashes where like the best Dylan Mitchell games are like, all right, you had sixteen against Texas A and M Commerce. You had like it, since the turn of the new year, has he had a double? Most points game? per game has been six. He scored six points one time against TCU, and that's the most points he scored since January first. That is scary. I'm not, I'm not drafting that. I'm sorry. Like, I, there's there's no re- like he, it, he could be.
1: Uh, I mean, look at Matisse Tybalt. It took him going to another team f- before mm-hmm. he even started getting playing time, and it's for Portland, who like really isn't doing all too much in the Western Conference. It was just like an an upside play, and Philly was ready to
0: get rid of Tybalt. So well, and yeah and like Tybal like was at least like a competent catch and shoot jump shooter like not even a good one like just fine like almost yeah. average and compare like again and he was different he played in his zone and like he was encouraged to gamble a lot but like you just look at his, what his steal and block rates were compared to Mitchell's and like it's not not close it's not um and obviously like, there's yeah. a lot more to that Joe Mitchell's a lot stronger he's bigger blah 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 but like. It's cool that you can run fast and jump high, more. but at a certain yeah. point, you
1: have to be good at basketball. Like that's really, <laughs> I,
0: I just need a lot more than I've seen. Yeah. Uh for Colgate, nobody that's like really a draft guy, but I, I sneaky think there is like a path for them in this game because they have so much shooting and like Tucker Richardson is their best player. This is might sound really stupid. He is. He was conference player of the year. He had a bad shooting year he's a career 36 three-point shooter he was 32 from three this year and i'm just like he's gonna turn it is, up is the reversion gonna happen yeah like is, is go. he gonna revert to the average in a positive way and just hit like 12 threes against against Texas? When he can
1: feel the heats off of the lamps above yeah. him, above his head he's just gonna start mm-hmm. knocking them down and it, Tyrese hunter like do we hear anything
0: Damn. I, he's like not even close to being a this year guy for me. The shot fell off too bad. Like, yeah, I, just not consistent enough as a decision maker for me either. Are, are you is like anybody else on that team top 100 for you on Texas?
1: I mean, he's top 100, but just on the outside, like Dylan DeSue is like actually
0: kind of a, somewhat yeah. interesting, but not top mm-hmm. 100. Um, we then go to Kansas versus Howard. Um, with Kansas, the question that I want to ask is are you a Jalen Wilson guy or are you a Kevin McCuller guy? Because we did mock draft the other day and this became like actually kind of a heated discussion. Uh, so where do you stand on those two? I,
1: I think I'm becoming more of a McCuller guy than, than what I, than what I had been coming in. Like, and I have him in my top 60 right now, even my top 58. So like I would have him being top drafted top this year. Yep. Yep. yep so, I think their most recent game, and who was it against? Who did Kansas play without Kevin McCuller? I can't remember. Was it Texas? I think it was. It might have been Texas. Um, I've, I've not watched it in the last week. I think. I think it was Kansas versus Texas. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but they didn't have McCuller, and they struggled. They struggled mm-hmm. badly, mightily. And I'm like, this might be one of those weird instances where it's kind of good to miss a game if you're McCuller because the re the rebounding, the defense, the the ancillary playmaking that he gives you to. Um, the, the shot's not there, but ultimately I do have Jalen Wilson ranked higher because he can shoot and he can't handle the ball. And he is also a somewhat promising defender as well. I just, I think it's becoming a much more closer race than what I anticipated.
0: Yeah. So Jalen Wilson said a really good, like putting the ball in the basket, like scoring total season, it's ever like 20 game. And yeah, one of the toughest conferences in the country. And that kind of gives me some pause about like, am I overthinking the fact that he's (laughs) like not shot it as well as he could when like, he's almost doubled his three point shooting volume. And like his percentage is seven. It's off the bounce too. It's a lot of off the bounce. Like, so his, his like overall field goal percentages now, and he's struggled inside the arc this year quite a bit, but like, I don't worry about that too, too much because of the role difference. Like when he was playing off of Christian Brown and, and he had Ochai out there as well to like give him a ton of room. Like he, he knows how to cut and finish the basket. I think the sneaky issue with him is that he's shorter than he's listed by quite a bit. He's listed at six, eight, at the combine last year, he measured in at like six, five and a half, and with like a mm. six, seven wingspan. So, like, he's not that big, he's not that long, he's not like the craziest vertical athlete. So, it's just like, all right, well, you know, he finished before at the college level, but how much, of, how well does that scale up? The jump shot has always been inconsistent, even if he's taking more of them this year. Um, whereas with McCullough, I think he's like he's the most interesting if he shoots it guy to me in this class right, Certainly is, one of them. He is, he is such a menace defensively. Like he, he just looks worlds faster than he did a year ago yeah. when he was dealing with injuries. He covers ground like a maniac. He's very strong. So he guards up. Well, he on can, a slower team but, too. Yeah. 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 He's, he's quick enough to get into passing lanes. He's got fast hands guarding the ball. Like I just trust him every, in every single predicament. You can put him in defensively. Um, good rebounder, um really heady passer like you mentioned, like yep. got some real juice uh, on the go, good interior passer. It's just the shot and I, yep. it's hard to buy in cuz he's like a sub 30% three-point shooter from college across four seasons, but it's like god, like if if he can just be okay. If he's one of those guys where it's like he can play if he's just slightly below average. And by all accounts, him? like he's,
1: just, he's, he's a tremendous worker too. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if, and, and that can go two ways, right? Like you could say, all right, well, if he makes it to the NBA, he goes to Oklahoma city and they got chip England or whatever. Like he could really get that shot in, but it's also like, well, if he's such a hard worker, why isn't the shot <laughs> here now? He ever you know be? what I mean? Yeah, because we've yeah, had yeah. plenty of, he's had plenty of time. If he's like, and I, I'm not knocking his hard work. I'm just saying that he no, might just no. be like spinning his tires, so to speak, you know, like where he's gotten the gas pedal down. He's he might just just not going this. anywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I go back to this all the time, but it's like one of my favorite like insights I got was I, I talked to, to a friend of the program, Bryce Simon, who is, who is on uh, an episode of home and away with you. And I was like, yep. what is like something that like you is somebody who played high level college basketball. Cause he played D one. Like, what is something that you feel like people miss as evaluators have that experience because sometimes he will just don't get better. It's, it's true like that, like yeah. that can be a thing. And like, maybe this is just what he is as a shooter. Um, But I, I have McCullough higher, but like, I don't know. I, I wonder if I'm, if I'm overthinking Jalen Wilson to a degree um, for Howard, the name to watch is, probably steve settle elijah hawkins is a fantastic player um but he's 5'11 um sky odom who is it or shy odom rather uh, who is at sierra canyon has had a good season was conference rookie of the year good defender 6'6 can't really shoot um settle is in his fourth year he's 6'10 and he's stick thin but like he can really guard up and down and protect the rim his shot has always looked good and he's like a good free throw shooter over his career, but he was 29.1% from three this season. He played at the combine. I think it was like elite camp or something. I think he was at elite camp uh, last year. I, I feel like there was some event that he was at and he looked solid there. Um, or no, no, it was his teammate that was there. It was uh Kyle Foster thing. Okay. But like he's, he's a guy that is like just sort of perennially been in the mix. And I think there's a lot more interest in him than people realize um, so if he has a big game, it, it could help maybe get him some sort of invite to something.
1: Uh, yeah, it'd be fun to see him. He and uh, KJ Adams, who another
0: another yeah. guy that could benefit from a, a deep turning around as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got uh, probably the most interesting and like most loaded prospect matchup in terms of just like number of guys on the court that will yeah. likely play in an NBA game at some point. It is Arkansas versus Illinois. You're the Arkansas guy, so so take the lead here.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nick Smith, back from injury again, um, playing alongside Anthony Black. um, No in Brazil, but still got Jordan Walsh in the mix. So, yeah, there's a number of guys on this Arkansas team right now that are garnering NBA draft push. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Ricky Council, um, who could be the X factor in this matchup, because Illinois, like, they are no shortage on players like you just mentioned, too. You know, I mean, you got Coleman Hawkins. Uh, you got a uh, Terrence Shana jr. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, some other really good players like RJ and Melendez, you know, Dane danger, there's, you I know, Sky Clark. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a number of players on, on both sides that have a lot at stake for making a deep run. Uh, mm-hmm. I would probably say Nick Smith jr. Is the, the one that has the most to prove out of anybody in this matchup because of yeah. projection, yeah. because of injury, because of productivity, um, he might not be the best guy on on the team right now. And that might be an understatement too. So
0: <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's just again, Ricky Council might get the RJ Melendez matchup, and that could be like a sneaky fun like battle of athleticism between the two of those. Like who who throws down the nastier dunk. But I mean, A B is probably the guy that has to show out for Arkansas to win because I think that he's gonna have the more favorable matchup. Um potentially I don't know I don't know what what Illinois does between kind of the the three wing slash wing/guard players for Arkansas. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think I think this is really exciting. Um yeah. I think what is I think there's a, like way more at stake than might meet the eye because this is going to be yeah. for Anthony Black and Terrence Shannon specifically because I think there's a really good chance they end up mashed up against each other um and like terrence shannon like everybody i think everybody's like ready and like hoping to buy in because like yeah. he just had such a weird year a year ago he came out of the gates scorching hot from three he gets injured can't find a role in the rotation transfers to find a new school and then he just goes off in this At game maui UCLA. and mm-hmm. everyone's like here we go and just kind of slowly cools off still inconsistent i think he's had real growth as a passer i, I really do yeah um and I do still think that he's like a very good um, defender and, and he's like an NBA level athlete. And like, because of that I think he's going to play in an NBA game at some point. Um, I think where it gets tricky is just like, is he ever going to be consistent enough to fill a role? Um, and I think the best way for him to make an impression is you need to just like really shut down. One of these Arkansas guys, whoever it is that he's matched up with, whether it's Council, whether it's Black, whether it's they want to put him on Smith. Like, if he yeah. can just find a way to eat one of these guys' lunches, I think it would it would do him a lot. It, like, it would honestly do him as big or, or, it, or more more favors than like if he has like a really hot shooting game. Because we've seen the hot Terrence Shannon shooting game at this point, and he's not going to really be able to answer consistency questions. In the next month, like it's just not going to happen. Um, but I think if he can really prove himself as a defender, that's going to be the move. Um, and then yeah, Nick Smith, like he is really kind of falling down our internal board, uh, which will be out this week, so people can kind of take a look at that. But um, from an efficiency standpoint, he has just really, really struggled to put the ball in the basket. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I've talked about my database on the show recently, just kind of tracking guys that have stuck in the NBA. And in like the past eight years, the only people that have had lower efficient field goal percentages than him during that stretch, it was like DeJounte Murray, who's like a monster defender. And I think it was like Cole Anthony was the other one where it was like just weird circumstances, had a bad year. Ugly team, and, and Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Like it just kind of was what it was where it's like Nick Smith, like he's injured, got kind of thrown into the deep end during, you know, sec conference play and whatever. But like there are very serious efficiency questions with him there are serious body questions about him now that he's had numerous injuries and he just cannot pressure the rim. He he can't get to the basket. He can't pressure the rim. So if you're not just like a lights out shooter, that really raises a lot of questions. And like, I do like his passing. I think he can do some really interesting stuff out of the live dribble, but if you're not penetrating, it's a lot harder to open things up on the court for your teammates. So then what is the value of that passing? And, it's just tough, man. It's it's been tough yeah. for him. Um, the one thing we haven't really touched on is Coleman Hawkins. Are like I was just about like, to say it. Does he yeah. get the Does he get the Jordan Walsh assignment? Do you think? Probably, because I would assume it's going to be like Danger, and then whoever else, uh, or is he? Or is would it be Mayor? That would. I mean, it's really it's really weird because like I think
1: that. The one player that you want to stop if you're Arkansas would if like for for Walsh, would that I think mm-hmm. that that would probably be Hawkins, right?
0: Yeah, I because like because mayor is just like in like mayor might just like shut himself off like yeah. he just has games where he's horrible where with Hawkins, I, I I see where you're going with Walsh because Walsh can stick to a guy like glue. Yeah, And with Hawkins, like even though he's not a shooter, I think there's a real benefit to being able to play him super tight. um, yeah. Just because it kind of takes away his vision and, and, and clogs up what he's game. able to yeah. do. Yeah. So I think Walsh is kind of a more appealing guy to put on Hawkins. Yeah. Um, Cause you
1: got the Mitchell brothers who are going to be kind
0: of think that that's who, if when Dane,
1: you know, Dane comes in, like one of the Mitchell yeah. brothers would probably be locked on him just due to size. Um, yeah. but I don't know the, the Dane danger X factor for Illinois might be too it's, much. It's a Arkansas real ball. thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like that dude just has games where he's unstoppable all of a sudden. So not a guy to, to sleep on. And he's also like a crazy wingspan guy too. Like, yes. I'm pretty sure that he's like a, I, I read it somewhere, but he's got, he's got really long arms. So, um, one of those guys who's like shorter but it's like yeah but like he'll just occasionally block a shot that you don't think he has any business blocking based on like where he is and how big he is uh but yeah he he can do it so that's a really really exciting one um st mary's versus vcu not really any this year guys and then uconn versus iona another one of those where i was just i was just kind of bummed out because like iona i think was gonna be like a fun upset pick and they're just playing a team with like a million good players on it which like just never the best upset recipe. Um, but let, let's talk Yukon UConn because it seems like Jordan Hawkins has really kind of solidified himself. Um, just a really, really excellent movement shooter. Um, 37.3% on the year from threes. He's dipped a little bit lately, but he's still taking almost 15 threes for 100 possessions. So the volume is off the charts. He does it off of movement without balance under him off the dribble and transition, whatever you name it. He's, he's going to shoot a three that way. Um, Real questions about his passing, as we talked about last yeah. week. Real questions about his ability to play above the rim, about his frame, his size. Uh, but he's a really dogged and tough defender. He gets after yep. it. Uh, good hands at the point of attack. Really scrappy. Will dive on the floor. Will hustle. Um, there's been a lot of like chatter around Hawkins. That I feel like the consensus is like top 25 and above. Um, yeah. There's now been talk with some people like I would put him lottery uh where are you at with with jordan hawkins because for me i think i've got him like right around 19 or 20
1: yeah i think i got him 20 or 21 like somewhere Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood so i think you and i are pretty similar in that regard a dangerous movement shooter i think that that's like he might have kind of separated himself as the best movement shooter in this class and that's like a real Mm -hmm. nba level skill right i mean it can buddy held uh might be the best kind of player comp on offense for him mm-hmm. because he might not be six five. He might be more so six three, six four. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that he might not be as old as Buddy Hield was when he came out. That whole thing has been fun <laughs> to kind of continue storyline mm-hmm. of that. He's actually thirty five, I think now. But um, <laughs> um, Jordan Hawkins is. It's really weird because he shows his athleticism more on the defensive side of the ball than he does yeah. on offense, which. I mean, I guess if if you're a good movement shooter and you're an athletic defender, like there are worse things for your athleticism to show in than than on defense. But UConn is also just very deep, man. I mean, Donovan Klingon, Adama Sanogo, like Iona is going to get kind of bludgeoned, I think, on the on the interior. And then Andre Jackson is kind of always an X factor and a crazy mm-hmm. athletic nice. defender as well. Just not a favorable matchup for your uh, for your boy here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm a big Walter Clayton guy on Iona. Yeah. And like, this is just tough because their roster is like, they're not s- small. Like junior junior uh, Nelly, junior Joseph is six, nine and like thick. And then they've got uh oh, what's the center uh, Osborne Shima who's seven one. um But like a lot of their good players are just small. Like uh, Cruz yeah. Davis is six, uh, three uh, Barry John Louise is six, five Dennis Jenkins, six, three Walter Clayton, six, two, like, it's just, it's tough when you, especially like with Caravan and like yep. Tristan Newton and then like Andre Jackson, who's just like way more athletic than anybody that Iona has. It just, it's going to be tough to overcome, uh, for them. And it's, one of those, it's like one of those like rare matchups here where it's like the coaching advantage isn't that big where like there's some matchups where it's just coaching, like, yeah. yeah, where it's like, well, you got Rick Pitino and like, you might just out scheme somebody. And it's like, I, I don't know that it's enough given everything else going on here. So um going further down the bracket we've got uh tcu against either arizona state or nevada um i think mike miles is like a sneaky guy who could like really affirm his draft case this year yeah we both have him, or i don't
1: know about both but i have him as like an upper second round pick i think that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of us at no ceilings are and uh i think that this would be a good opportunity for him to kind of pop in front of more people, even though he's not really like a a well kept secret. Again, everybody who ever talks about him on a draft podcast says that he's a young junior. So
0: we yep, gotta put to mention
1: up. it we, we gotta mention it or we never talked about him. But um mm-hmm. it'll be fun to watch him in the dance.
0: Uh and then Gonzaga versus Grand Canyon is after that, I don't I've not seen a Grand Canyon game this year. Uh, my sister happened to watch them play, uh, and she was not very impressed. Uh, and she's <laughs> she's coached. She was, she was an excellent high school player, uh, state finalist, Illinois three point contest uh, women's That's side. What's up? So shout, shout out to her. Um, Gonzaga is interesting. I think everyone's moved on from the like Drew Timmy conversation for the most part. I think it's, uh, it's, it's from... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some peop- there's some people there's that out. still there's, there's some people out. that still love him. Um, uh, Julian Strother, I think, is the big one. So he's an interesting case, right? Because he's just had like a ridiculous three point shooting season, and everyone's yeah. just like kind of ignoring it. <laughs> like he's he's 42.6% from three on over five a game. Uh and like he hasn't gotten to show a lot of the other offensive stuff he does really well just because of the way that the roles have changed, their guard play yeah. hasn't been as consistent. Um so last year he was like this really effective two point score because he's a phenomenal cutter like excellent yes. excellent instincts as a cutter doesn't get to do as much of that now so the two point percentage is lower um playmaking wise didn't really show anything new he's like slightly better defensively like he's a little bit more engaged mm-hmm. but still doesn't have great feet like re- a guy who really tells on himself with his feet like really really sags off um of players on the perimeter not somebody who's going to like meet you at the rim, not going to be a weak side rim protector. Um, How do you feel about Strother? Like, are you a guy who's like, you still take him in the first round just based on size and shooting, or are you more held up on the fact that like, he's not that athletic? He can't really pass. Can't really dribble. Can't defend
1: really that well yeah. either. I think you did your best to kind of sell his defensive ability there. But I mean, <laughs> that was something that you and I both kind of beat the drum on coming into the year when we were mm-hmm. doing our preseason boards and, people were talking about him being a first rounder then and I, we were just like this dude does not defend like at all it's actually mm-hmm. like pretty pretty scary how bad of a defender he is um but again like gonzaga against grand canyon like i'm not gonna sit here and just beat up strather i have him early second but i, yeah, don't I have him yeah. i don't have him as a first but i mean drew timmy that he might imprint like again maybe he's the omarando baycott this year so yeah where people are like how come nobody's talking about him and i mean he's a winner um, I think people kind of like the the uh, accolades that a player like him has coming mm-hmm. in. You know, maybe they you you talk about this sometimes too, Maxwell. It was like, how likable are you in a locker room if you're the fifteenth mm-hmm. man? You know, like, are you professional? You know, like those types of things are are pretty impressive. So I think that there is a path for Timmy to show out in the in the tournament and uh, maybe get a second round pick, but I I wouldn't do it. I. I really wanted Nolan Hickman to catch on this year and like really pop up. I I liked him as a defender and a three-point shooter. He's been okay, but I don't
0: know. I mean, it's Gonzaga. Yeah, I think the thing with Kimmy that like killed me was I thought, I actually thought he was really good at the combine last year. Like he, he hit a bunch of threes. He was in great shape. And then like he came back at the start of the season looking like he did last season and it was like wait what like you got into crazy shape for the combine and you're like well going back to school like and then it's like and know, the same baby it was before like come on man like yeah. that that really broke my heart because I was really hoping that we'd come into this season and Timmy would be like the lean three-point shooting Timmy that we saw at the combine and that has not happened um yeah so uh after that northwestern versus Boise State uh yep i all right i'm gonna i'm gonna just take a second chase hadish okay. on northwestern i would be all over him for my g league affiliate like i don't think you consider drafting him i don't even think you put him on like a summer league team but if i could get him on my g league team i would be all over it uh six four long strong 2.4 steals down per to game. get the on yeah. yep 0. 0.7 blocks per game <laughs> never really been a consistent three-point shooter never really been a consistent two-point shooter if we're being honest but just a nasty defender and like clear pro level athlete that it's like you played it at william and marion northwestern so like is yeah. there a chance that like maybe there's some actual offensive juice there uh and that's the most you hear about chase Audish on any draft podcast uh this <laughs> year um or and then the TV last matchup, anything,
1: really. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. The last matchup is actually a very interesting one. It's yeah, UCLA for sure. versus UNC Asheville, and like completely serious here. UNC Asheville has two guys that I think have a chance. Uh, one much more than the other. So uh, one is Tayshawn Jones, who's like just a three point shooter. Uh, he's six foot five. He takes a lot of them and he makes a lot of them. Uh, he's taking six point three a game and he's hitting forty five point six percent. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So like a real high volume three point shooter, I think, where the case falls apart for him is that like it's a lot of the same stuff we talked about, Julian strother but it's a guy who's playing at UNC Asheville and is six foot five instead of six foot eight. Uh and is yeah. actually a much worse athlete than Julian Strother. So it's just like all right, yeah, like <laughs> you're you saying can there's knock a chance yeah. every single shot, but like I don't know, it's just it's really daunting. There's a lot of guys that can really shoot. Um, yeah. but like even just comparing him to someone like Hyun Jung Lee from a year ago, it's like Hyun Jung Lee. Way better playmaker, way better attacking closeouts, much better athlete, better at the rim, and it's like, all right, well, like Hyun Jung Lee is is still a G League player right now, so like, yeah. if he'd been injured, he wouldn't have been. He probably would have been on a two-way or a rookie contract or whatever. But like, there are levels to this, and Tayson Jones is is not quite at that one. Um, the big name is Drew Pember, uh, yes, who is inside my top sixty. Um, this is going to be a very tough and telling game for him he has struggled against really physical opponents um yeah. he is so for the unfamiliar Drew Pember. he was a no-set-and-turn prospect six foot ten around like 200 pounds like he's skinny pretty um, fine, yeah yeah 21.2 points per game 9.4 rebounds per game 2.3 assists. He ever just 3.3 turnovers, but a lot of that, I think is role, like his past yeah, placement absolutely Usage. is really excellent. Teams just swarm him and they mm-hmm. put him in the post a lot, which is not going to be his role at the NBA level. And that's where a lot of those turnovers happen. And he was um, a Tennessee guy prior to the so he was wasn't. at Tennessee and like did yeah. not play at all. And yeah. then transferred to Asheville had a good year last year and a great one this year, 2.3 yeah. blocks per game and 0.9 seals really fluid and gets okay. off the floor. Well, it blocks a ton of shots um, but beyond like just the scoring, it's the offensive profile as a whole. that's interesting it takes 4.4 threes per game, makes 37.3% of them and gets to the free throw line. A ton took 9.2 yeah. free throws per game and an 83.4% free throw shooter. So he's six foot 10. He can really shoot and really pass from the top of the key. So that in and of itself is like, that's the offensive role because of his fluidity. When he pump fakes guys, which he has a believable pump fake because he can shoot He's very good at attacking closeouts for a player his size, and he is thin, but he's not afraid of physicality, and he gets to the line a ton because of it. The concern with Pember is, all right, you were at Tennessee for two years, and you didn't play at all. Why? Yeah. And, like, he was he was behind good players, obviously, but, yeah. like, that's a real question, um, and then, like, when he played Dayton, they uh, gave him a lot of trouble. It was, like, one of those games where like, he scored, like, 16 points, but, like, Turned it over four times. They really just kind of like swarmed him and were all over him. Yeah. Mar um, and Holmes are pretty, pretty nasty front court. Yeah. And like, so it was like a similar thing against UCF or like against UCF, he scored 40 points and like nine rebounds. but still had six turnovers. He fouled out. Like, and again, a lot of this is role. Like a lot of this is just like, he's everything for them. So he, he faces mm-hmm. a lot of attention and gets really swarmed, but like he's weak with the ball. And, there's just like a real glaring strength issue. And then again, it's like, okay, well, if you're counting on this fluidity and like him basically being a four at the next level, well then how, how fluid are you actually? And in a game where he's going to be matched with guys like Adam Bona and Jaime Hawkins, like we are going to get yeah real, real insight into what drew Pember is. And if it goes like real ugly, then it's like drew Pember might not be a top 100 guy, but if it yeah. looks good, maybe he's like a top 40 guy. Like, cause that range is really narrow. And it could really sway one way or the other based on how this goes. So that, that was my big Drew Pembers feel. spiel. Um, why don't you talk us through some of the UCLA guys? Cause I feel like I want to start with Bona. Cause I feel like Bona is the guy that internally is a staff. We are much higher on than the consensus yeah. and like much more willing to take this year. Um, so what are your Bona thoughts? And then you can kind of get into to everybody else on their team.
1: Yeah. And just real quick on Pember, I have them in my top 100, but I'm more on mm-hmm. the, I think I'm on the other end of it than yeah, you are. Yeah. and totally I Totally understandable, that, yeah. And and like you said, this is going to be a really telling matchup because I think that he and Jaime Hawkes, um, that's going to be an interesting... But at bona, I'm kind of late to the party compared to the rest of everybody else at No Ceilings. I know that there were some other guys that liked him well in advance um, before I got around to it. But the selling point is, is that what you're seeing is what you're getting, and what you're getting is good enough um, as a rotational big man in the NBA like kind of 69610 a very raw athletic like physically gifted uh big man who might be one of the best like switchable big prospects if not the best switchable big prospects in this draft class which is very huge right like if you're getting a defensive anchor you want him to be versatile in the drop and on the switch and i think that that's kind of where bona is offensively uh setting screens rolling to the rim finishing at the basket kind of want to see him take even more steps as a short roll playmaker, because I think that that opens up a lot of opportunities for you um, if you're kind of offensively limited in the NBA. But Adem Bona is just kind of the, uh, like I said, very like Ekpe Udo type big man in the NBA where, you know, if he hits and it's idealized and it's in the right role, like you're talking about like a very uh, formidable rotational big man in the NBA UCLA is crazy, you know, friend of the program, Jalen Clark, who was not a part of the first team but was um, Pac-12's defensive player of the year. Like, I don't know how that happens, but it did. Um, he's not going to be in this game, but, you know, t- Tiger obviously is going to be a real big problem for UNC as well as, like, the the backcourt um, kind of showrunner for this team. And I don't know. I just think that, one, I think the West might kind of sneakily be, like, the most – like hard hard to get out of out of all the brackets uh, yeah, that I we've agree. been looking at this year mm-hmm. and i mean if you ucla gets past whoever the winner of boise northwestern is like gonzaga might be a tough out for them and then you start looking at other teams like uconn arkansas illinois kansas like it's gonna be a tough outing for them <laughs> for whoever
0: gets out of the west well region, like you was like the team for a while like for a while yeah. was like yeah, UConn. They don't really have a, a traditional point guard, but like that, they, they no one can beat them. And like now, they're yeah. at the four seed, and like they're playing better again. So yeah. it's interesting. It's tournament time. It's it's the, it's one of the best times of the year uh, if yeah. you're a draft fanatic like us. Um, so Stephen, let's get out of here. You plug your stuff. Let people know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, man. Well, uh, First off, just the joy is always to be working with you, man. Um, mm-hmm. I've been enjoying the the time that we've got to co-host here on Draft Deeper. Um, even when Nathan takes these little brief hiatuses to do very important <laughs> things. Um, it's been fun running mm-hmm. with you here on no ceilings together, but um, for people who want to follow me, I'm most active on Twitter at Stephen G hoops. Um, our written work is available for absolutely free um, over at no And yeah, I I'm not going to be writing this upcoming Sunday when you're listening to this on Monday, because page is starting to kind of work into the fold. So um, be more, be even more active in reading for her than you would be for me because her first debut piece was awesome. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just looking forward to all the projects that we have coming up soon. Um, like you said, it's tournament time. This is where we're going to start making mm-hmm. um, even more of a living within the draft space, man. And I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah. I, I could not be more fired up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at bound boards at BAUM boards. Um, going to be doing some real, real sicko content this week. Nathan is currently putting I'm together. Surprised. Yeah, I know. Right. Off this is randomly. totally unlike you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Nathan is putting together the NCAA prospect preview piece. Uh, kind of going to be similar to what we did on this podcast here. Uh, in Written form. I'm going to be doing the NIT version of that. Heck uh, yeah. So there are guys that are still dancing. Not in the big dance, but still dancing nevertheless. So uh, is AirPods going to be that. in the. Uh... I think so. I think AirPods is going to be in there. I think okay. uh, I'm trying to remember like what the format was. It's like if you win your conference, but not your conference tournament, you get an auto bid to the NIT. So like Eastern Washington is going to be there. So Cedric Ooh, Coward, a guy who I'm watching okay. for down the road, he's going to be in there. Uh, but yeah, I think they should be in. I think Rucker should be in. Um, so there's there's going to be some, some real teams. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping like a two lane. I'm hoping maybe we get some more Jalen Forbes. Uh, yes. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, how the, the NIT selection process works. Who actually accepts bids? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I'm hoping even get science can not explain it. Yeah, no, no, there's no way to know that drops <laughs> it, it. I think 9. PM central. So, Stay up late, see that, and uh, and we'll go from there. But thank you all for joining us on the No Sings NBA podcast. Make sure you are subscribed if you're not already and uh, join us next time. Peace.